Welcome to another episode of Growth Marketers Podcast. I'm Solomon Timothy. And I'm Taylor Rowe. Today, we're talking about the survivorship bias. And this is one of my sort of, a, I guess it's a philosophy, 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 right? But I think it's something that applies to a lot of different businesses, a lot of different companies. And I think just understanding the logic behind it and why it's really a form of selection bias, an issue that a lot of business owners and decision makers have. And once you understand that, it can kind of change your way of of thinking. So we take that and kind of juxtapose that against how does that apply to marketing and different tactics that you can actually implement or at least look at to make sure that you're not getting, you know, falling victim of survivorship bias and that you're actually making logical decisions. All right, Taylor. So today uh, we want to talk about the survivorship bias mm-hmm. and how it applies to marketing. Mm-hmm. Right. So maybe you can kind of kick us off and you know share some thoughts, and we'll add some questions. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. This survivorship bias, and I'll explain what that is, and I guess kind of what it means to me. But it's it's something that really stuck with me. I think I first heard about this five or six years ago. And whenever I'm working with somebody and I'm from a marketing perspective, this way of thinking or this sort of perspective uh, always comes into play for me because of kind of understanding what happens and, and what the survivorship bias or survival bias means. So the first time I heard about it and kind of the most, I think it was sort of the origin of the frame of the term survivorship bias actually started in World War II. Uh, and essentially, there was a team of researchers that were dedicated to understanding how they can make their planes more indestructible. And so they was mathematicians, scientists, and statisticians. And uh, essentially their job was to sit there and study all of the planes that were coming back from war. And they made a map, basically like a heat map of where all of the bullet holes were on the plane. And they came to the conclusion that if we just reinforce these sections of the plane that have all these bullet holes, then our planes will be able to survive, they'll be able to come back, they're going to be indestructible. And uh, there was this guy named Abraham Wald who was like, guys, slow down. This is a a terrible mistake. Um, Because it could be anywhere. You're you're only looking at the planes that survived, meaning the spots where the bullet holes are, are really the strongest part of the plane. Where we need to put the reinforcements is the spots that don't have bullet holes, because the planes that got shot in those areas are the ones that did not make it back. So from there, it just kind of became known as the survival bias or survivorship bias, because you're only studying the planes that survived. Now, this phenomenon obviously has happened a lot of times throughout history, and there's a lot of business and entrepreneurship and marketing sort of lines or tangents that you can look at. We talk about the idea of you know someone like Mark Zuckerberg or, or Bill Gates or Steve Jobs. We could say, hey, they all dropped out of college. They started a, a business in their garage, right? All I needed to do is drop out of college and get a garage right. and I'll, I'll be a successful entrepreneur. But you're not looking at all the people that that failed along the way. So the idea is that it is a bias of, it's really a, a logical error in, in just concentrating on the things or the people that made it as a success and not looking at the things that failed and what other conditions led to that success. Wow. So, I mean, just being around entrepreneurs, I think we do the same thing too. If you had five startups and two sort of survived, you're like, let's stick with that idea. Right. Because that seemed to have worked and we only focus on the two that survived and we don't look at why the other the others fail. Right. 
Yeah, a lot of business models uh, is part of the issue, right? Or venture capitalists that keep yeah. funding the same kind of companies. Yeah, exactly. like, it took me to success. That was, that was the model, right? So they say, you hear the comparison of this is the, it's like the Uber of this, right? right? There's a lot of that now because Uber became really big. popular. So right. people try to model something after something that was already successful. And in fact, when you look at all the other environmental and economic sort of variables, there is reason to think that after you see something become successful, you should steer clear of trying to go into that space because you know there's going to be so many copycats right. trying to get into that. And it's not as, I guess it's not as exciting. It's not as groundbreaking anymore because it already exists. So that whole aspect of this is completely you know revolutionize the way that we do X, Y, or Z, that whole it's idea gone. is gone. Exactly. So how does it relate to, you know, a marketer today, mm-hmm. especially doing digital stuff? And how do we kind of draw the similarities and learn from it? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. I think any decision that you make as a marketer, you're looking for a leg up on the competition. But at the same time, when we're talking about digital, you're trying to do it fast and you're trying to look at who is successful and, and how do I make that happen? So, I mean, we'll start with very simple things. We talk about social media, you talk about you know, creating videos or something like that. And you look and say, okay, well, what videos are the most successful on YouTube? And you can see that the videos with the most views are all cat videos. I was going to say that. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. you would say, okay, well, let's just make a video with a cat. That's right. In reality... Like a podcast um, with a cat. Exactly. In reality, you would you might look at that in the big picture and make the you know inference that, hey, there's actually a disproportionate amount of videos online that are of cats, meaning they have a higher chance of actually becoming the more popular videos because 80% of the videos have cats in them, right? But only 30% of the successful videos have cats in them. I don't know if those are accurate numbers. I'm just saying that you have to look at the whole big picture, right? So the same thing could be said when you're going to market with your marketing strategy. I hear a lot of mistakes being made or I see a lot of mistakes being made based on clients' own success. So you would look at, let's say, your own customer base and say, I really excel in this industry, or I really work well with these types of clients, or my clients all have these five characteristics in common. Therefore, those are the clients I need to go get. Or you could even say, my clients really like that I offer this product or service. So that's what I need to put in my marketing message because you know I have this one client, they really like that I have 24-7 turnaround you know, time or that I'm available 24-7, whatever that is that that client really likes. Right. What you're missing is you might have given 100 proposals out last year and lost 99 of them. And you're only looking at the one client that you brought on and what they like. Yeah, you're, you might get more clients like that, but you might be missing a bigger piece of the, the pie that's out there because there's a lot more people that have other interests, other pain points. And really to learn what you can do from you know not being able to close those deals. Asking yourself, what is it that I'm saying or proposing to these people that are not, right? Mm-hmm. They're not liking the product or service. What can we learn from it? Mm-hmm. What are the similarities and why am I, maybe it's the price, maybe it's the product. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's more commonly known, or at least I see it, it's more generally accepted in the sales organization because uh, there's so many more tools to, you know, like track and listen to phone calls and track KPIs and email open rates and all these sorts of things. I see in the sales world, they're making those adaptations to say, yeah, you did close that deal because you did X, Y, and Z, but here's the general formula that you're supposed to follow and you completely went off track here. You got lucky on this one, right? So just understanding when you got lucky and when that was a good way to do that. You don't want to change your whole sales strategy or marketing strategy 
based on an outlier. And that's the whole idea behind the, the model is that you're only looking at the ones that weren't supposed to make it that made it. And you're not looking at the failures, not learning from your failures. And like you said, that's really where the most valuable information is going to be used. Well, why didn't this resonate with my audience or why didn't this work? And how can one go about getting that right information and what should they be looking at? Right. Obviously, what you're talking about is not what we are all used to doing. Mm-hmm. This is sort of, this is different, right? Yeah. To look at, hey, why didn't we rank on the first page of that keyword? It's not so much fun. We should just look at, hey, what can we do better to get higher positions or mm-hmm. whatever it might be, right? Like, oh, that email worked. Let's just do more of those. That's the natural tendency. It is. So I think just looking at the other factors and looking at the big picture, because you mentioned SEO. So you look at different tactics within SEO and you have to look at there's so many different variables outside of just the ones that Google's looking at because every industry is different, competitors different, every website is different. So for example, if you were to say within SEO, like skyscraper content or very long form content that goes very deep into one subject is sort of been a model that is widely adapted in the SEO community because it's very valuable. There's a lot of content in there, searchable keywords, and it's a great way to get backlinks because it's a very valuable resource. But the other factors that come into play is once everyone finds out that skyscraper content is a way to go and everybody writes about the same topic same thing everyone's researching and looking at that type skyscraper content as the model and basically copying that model at the same time they're not looking at what industry that was in what niche that was in the timing of that again just like we talked about before if you see that with like the uber example if you see that everyone else is doing that and it's widely known and it's popular it may be a good indication that you maybe you missed the boat on that and you want to look at other ways right. to, to go about that. Now, on the flip side, you could look at something like, let's say, an infographic for marketing or for SEO. Just infographics are used a lot in digital marketing for a number of different reasons. So the same sort of thing could be used. If you don't dive deep into it, you would say, I need to create an infographic because infographics are great for creating value. Um, they're going to be very shareable. They're going to give you backlinks. I can optimize that as image. I can create the content and then try to get index the content right. underneath Social, it. viral, all kinds of stuff. Things. So the execution of that may be spot on and it may not be, most likely won't be as successful as you're thinking. And what you're missing is when you look at that, the survivorship bias of looking at an infographic is, what is that infographic, right? What actually is it outlining? How valuable is that piece of content? The value of the content is more important than the fact that it's an infographic. When most marketers would look at it and say, I can create an infographic about anything as long as it has a nice design, Right, it's going to be shareable. But in reality, the reason that people are sharing that and that it has some you know, sort of viral virality to right. it and that it's getting those backlinks to you is because, yes, it comes in this nice prepackaged, nice looking format, but it's because the content of that is extremely valuable. Hey, thanks for listening. Solomon here. Are you frustrated because you're not getting enough inbound leads? You're worried that the leads that you're getting are not qualified? Or maybe you're disappointed in the conversion rate from the leads to customers, right? It's really, really low. Well, I got good news for you. I talk to business owners every single day. You're not alone, right? Businesses go through this when there is a lack of strategy sometimes. Uh, Maybe the approach isn't appropriate for your situation or sometimes you got all of those things right, but it was just poor execution. I'll tell you what, head over to oneims.com and fill out one of our forms 
talk to one of our consultants. That's all we do. We talk to business owners day in and day out. Share with us your challenges and see if we're a fit, right? See if we can find you a solution to your growing pains. You know, our hope here at One IMS, and especially with this podcast, is to give you the tools, the technology, the ideas, the strategies, everything we possibly can for you to succeed. All right. So thank you for listening. And let's get back to our topic for the day. So, and relevant to the folks that is being exactly. viewed by. So right. don't, yeah, don't misinterpret that as this is the formula to success. Just, just keep making, <laughs> just make everything into an infographic mm-hmm. and become an infographic factory. So another example, you mentioned email, right? right? So you're sending out emails, you do a little research, a couple of tests, every marketer wants to do tests. And then you would say, okay, this type of subject line gets the best open rates. So let's so, send all of them out as open rates. Well, it's like a rule. If you don't <laughs> yeah, do it, you yeah, fail. Exactly. So that subject line or that email message is going to be overplayed. Other people are going to find out about it, especially if you're, let's say, an influencer in the space, or let's say we came up with a great infograph or a great subject line right now. We told everybody about it, and then everybody goes and uses it. It becomes less effective. So the reason that was effective in the first place is because it was unique and that no one had seen that before. So there's parts of that formula that you can take out, but you can't just copy and paste word for word, the same subject line and say, this is all we're going to do. So take a step back and understand what factors made that successful. Why did those string of words make somebody click on that or open that? Not what those words are, but what was different about that than all the other ones that I've sent out? Was it the audience? Was it the way that it was formatted? Was it the length of it? Just dive deeper into that formula of success and also in the failures. Compare that to the email rate that the lowest open rates and see what are some commonalities and where is the biggest difference? And then again, looking at why they opened up and why they didn't open the other ones, right? Mm-hmm. And to say that maybe we didn't add any value, maybe mm-hmm. there wasn't enough, maybe it wasn't the right timing, right? So, exactly. So, I mean, and that's those are all the aspects like that we talked about. With any kind of marketing campaign, you could basically blanket across and say the niche, the budget, the timing, uh, all of those things, the promotion, huge, the audience, hugely in the brand awareness of mm-hmm. that brand. And then, like you said, the audience. So you can't just say that this works or this doesn't work. So one other thing I want to talk about in terms of marketing, especially when we talk about, okay, I understand my audience. I'm going to run this Facebook ad or Google ad, or I am going to create an infographic or whatever that may be. Every marketing team member has their own set of you know standards, right? So when we talk about design, you're familiar with like the golden ratio of you know what the design would look like. You have you know, perfect thirds of right. one, two, three, whatever that may be. So just because you follow that template of the golden ratio does not mean that a good design that you have good design skills, and it also doesn't mean that the actual content in that design is valuable or provocative or enticing to your audience. So it's the same sort of idea that, hey, this performs well because it fits within this parameter. But just because you fit within that parameter does not mean it's going to perform well. And, you know, essentially, it's like we're creating those marketing unicorns, right? This, mm-hmm. There are certain things that just works really well. And that in itself is what we usually go about, you know, copying because like, wow, it performed really well. So Everything ought to be like that, mm-hmm. you know, instead of looking at all the other ones that we've been doing, but it's not working. I mean, I, I can pull up so many examples in my head of looking mm-hmm. at every campaign and we're looking at, hey, this kind of ad converts really well. Let's just pause all the other ones. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> we're in the business of pausing. Yeah. Pause this, pause yeah. that. You're right. Let's pull all our yeah. resources and, to Facebook really ads. Just throw it away. It, yeah. it, like you said, it's we acknowledge that it doesn't work and then it's just kind of tossed aside. 
when really that's probably where you should spend the majority of the time. Obviously, be smart about it and don't like analyze, overanalyze everything, but you should really figure out why those other ones didn't work because at some point you thought that campaign was going to be successful. That's why you ran it in the first place. So go back and understand what variables led to its failure and you're going to have a much better chance in the future of, of actually succeeding. And so you mentioned SEO. We've talked about that a couple of times. You know, why do I rank? Why don't I rank? Same sort of idea when you're looking at those main metrics. And we talk about all the time. People say, well, I have more backlinks than them. Right. And I have more content. And it's... A website loads faster. faster. <laughs> right. So that's not the formula, right? Those are the data points, but it's not the exact formula to lead to success. And plus, it's already been done. They already did that. So now we have to look at other ways where you can be creative, think outside of the box. And that's some of the problem that I have with just data analysis in general and looking at all these marketing tools. You're only looking at the success and you're also only looking at past behavior. You're, you don't know right. what's going to happen, happen in the future. And what's missing out of everything is what's missing, right? You don't know what's missing. You're only looking at what's there. You're only looking at the planes that came back. <laughs> exactly. That's That's the idea. And I think... In every industry, they have that. And you can start, hopefully, when you're doing running your marketing campaigns or just looking at your overall business model, who you're marketing to, all of that, you can start to reshape your mindset. And I think that's the most important thing to take away from this. You see it a lot with industries like the restaurant industry. It's probably the most widely known, right? Because everybody knows that you know whatever the number statistic is, 80% of restaurants fail within the first three years of opening or whatever. But... If you are to go out to your restaurants in whatever town you're in, most likely you, you'll go around and you'll say, hey, everyone in all these restaurants are always packed, always busy. There's always a line out the door to drive through. There's always a line in the drive through. So these restaurants are making money hand over fist. I should get into the restaurant business, right? But what you're not talking to is all that, you know, people 80% that, <clears throat> of the people who right. failed and, you know, went into debt and never made it. So it's the same idea. It's just applied in many different ways. And I, I think that's, the main thing that I'd say you want to take away is that if you just throw away those failures and you don't examine them, we don't learn from them, then you're really doing yourself a disservice. Right. So going forward as marketers, instead of pausing things and pulling in budgets and different ad platforms, mm-hmm. it's to really take a look at why would, why didn't it work? Look at the big picture. Yeah. What could we have done differently and how do we learn from it? You know, I may have said this in a podcast before, how people always say Google ads didn't work. Mm-hmm. It's the. Yeah. It's like I never want to do that again. As if most of the time, yeah, it's not the platform, it's not the the format, it's not. I mean, it's it's your execution, right? It's the approach, right. it's the idea, it's the strategy. It's not that Facebook doesn't work, or Google doesn't work, or SEO doesn't work, or websites don't work, or trade shows don't work, or you know billboards don't work, right? All of those things can work when applied in a way that is creative and strategic. But they're also going to fail. A lot of times, I mean, just because you have a very successful Super Bowl commercial doesn't mean that if we create a Super Bowl commercial, it's going to be successful. There's still a big, big strategy and a lot of execution that goes into creating something that's just a success. The reality is a lot of times it's not going to be successful. That's a lot of people's teams, companies' frustrations with marketing is that they miss a lot of the times. Right. And it's okay. You got to learn from it. Exactly. (laughs) Right. And it's not to say well, I got to switch or I got to do this or I got to stop it all together because digital is not going to work. Yep. Let's go back to uh, snail mail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's just let's try it out for <laughs> you know half a second. And if it doesn't work, we'll just throw it all out. I mean, I, I, that's a podcast and stuff, how people don't give mm-hmm. enough time before they measure anything. And they're rather, mm-hmm. you know, again, you know, talk about, you're talking about 
the survivorship. You don't even let it survive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you only you got to failure. Yeah, but I got until five o'clock. If this doesn't work, we're pulling the plug. Right. But that's I mean, that is what successful marketers do is like you said, fail a lot until you get to something that sticks, something that works, and you understand why it works. And then you double down on whatever is working for you. The problem is that other companies, other entrepreneurs look at that from the outside. And all the data, all the statistics, everything that you're seeing is only on the one thing that succeeded. And you're just picking one little piece out of that success and saying, okay, I'm going to copy that model. When really the model is fail all the way until you get to that one thing. And that's unique to your business, your company. That can't be necessarily just copied and pasted from somebody else. Success is not a straight line, Mm -hmm. right? If I've seen the chart, it's like literally, it's like a noodle, right? It goes all the way around until you get to that thing. Thank you all for uh, tuning in today. As always, if you enjoy the podcast, share it and leave us a comment and ask any questions at growthmarketers at oneimus.com. And I will see you on the next episode.